what's your what's your two what's your two second it's not even elevator pitch it's, it's just like not, your t- it's like it's, a yeah so i think they call we used to call these mighty minute reviews <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so you want to bring it back real quick yeah sure so i the issue i have with Zack snyder is that he doesn't know how to land the plane he has all of these ideas yes. and the art direction is beautiful and i get really excited for the first 45 minutes of the movie and then it spirals out into all directions that a movie possibly could and it doesn't bring anything home and it's he also just- hates women yeah, it's definitely you can make an argument. You can make an argument. I would say Zach he's not hates maybe, women. maybe not as much as Guy Ritchie hates women, <laughs> but but he hates women. You know, Guy Ritchie's a little bit worse. But no, I think that Zack Snyder has mean? this uh yes. I I want to say I agree with that in in yeah, I think that that would be that we'll just we'll just have a longer version of that uh comment be our yeah. discussion of the movie. The Yeah, that's that's pretty much my She's going to go watch it again now. Oh, yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you can't wait Steve's to see it. Steve's been a just spinning up me like my uh, feedback. I've been trolling her all week. Like I've been sending her like uh, theory videos on YouTube of what really mean what what Army of the Dead really means and like the aliens and the robot zombies and she's just yeah. like losing her mind. <laughs> but the nerve, the nerve. Okay, I'm I will ready. To ba- yeah, I yeah. will bow out. Also, Steve stealing the good light for the ring light, so <laughs> I need to step away. <laughs> but it was lovely chatting with that you. Was great. Yeah. See you guys. Yeah. All right. Bye bye. Army Dead's on Netflix if you want to pull it up. I <laughs> <laughs> feel like our errands had a very similar. <laughs> it sounds, uh, I, think I, you I might, would imagine so. You might throw a Nikki uh, onto that same okay. uh, pile. Yes. All three wives are just like, nah. This... Well, no, it's weird. I, it puts me in the awkward position of like sitting there watching a movie that I'm not really enjoying that much and defending mm. it in some strange way because it's like, I'm like, well, it's kind of what Zack Snyder does or it's what you kind of expect from this type of movie. But I'm also right. sitting there going like, why am I? You know why am I being an apologist for a guy who I do think is is his flaws are as as on display as his gifts in almost anything yeah. that he does. Yeah, so. yeah, it's, it's weird stuff, man. So have we started mm. the show? That was the softest. Sh- <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a start or uh, if that's a tease or that's a cold open. Cold open. Yeah, let's get it going. What's up? Welcome to another episode of the Movie Schmovie Podcast. This is episode number 301. We are on to a new era of yes. Movie Schmovie. Yeah. We, we've crossed the 300 mark. If you haven't checked out that episode, please go back to last week's episode and give it a listen. Give it a watch on YouTube, however you're, you're, you're following us or keeping up with us. If you missed it, it's worth uh, your time. It was a blast to do that episode. And uh, again, thank you to everybody. Uh, the friends of the pod that uh, called in and, and hung out with us for a little bit to, to, to celebrate 300 episodes and 10 years of this podcast here with everyone. As always, my name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts and I'm here with Ron and John. And uh, yeah, man, we're going to we're going to kick this episode off. I'm sure we're going to go over some news and some like maybe some trailer talk because some cool trailers have dropped since we last officially recorded. Um but as a little teaser for the episode, like we're going to kind of be going through a couple of the major releases that 
have come out since we did episode 300. We kind of banked that episode. Um, so there's a couple of movies that have been released since uh, you've heard from us that are a little more timely. So I think we're going to go through some of them here. I know we're going to be talking a little bit about Army of the Dead on Netflix. Uh, I think we're going to be mentioning Wrath of Man, which is uh, in theaters now, coming to VOD shortly. Is that the the Zack Snyder cut of Army of the Dead? <laughs> Army of the Dead, colon, <laughs> Wrath of Man. Okay. Yeah. It, so I just didn't know. The, if, it's if, the um, animated sequel that's, which no joking aside, there is a prequel animated thing coming that. to Netflix from the, anyway, we'll get yeah. into that in a moment. Yes. But um, I'm going to also, you know, there's a couple other things that I saw. I want to mention, uh, I saw A Woman in the Window. Um, I saw Those Who Wish Me Dead, which is on HBO Max. Have you guys seen anything else that you think we might mention later on to kind of hook people into staying on the episode to, to listen I to mean, the end? It seems like maybe next time we talk about this show would be the time to really take advantage of this. But I, I caught up on Mayor of Easttown finally, so I can okay, great. I have a few thoughts great. about that. Yeah, but, so we'll get to that too. What about you, Ronald? Anything that's like super, super exciting that... <laughs> Mayor of Easttown is okay. probably it. Uh, Mythic Quest? Mythic Quest? Myth- Mythic Quest. The Shy started back up. Okay. Um, Lots yeah. of stuff. Lots, Lots of stuff. Of stuff. Um, so, yeah, stick around. We'll get into that a little more in a moment here. But um, just at the top of the episode, there have been some pretty interesting news bits that have come out. But I guess more so, I- I'm excited to talk to you guys about some of the trailers yeah, that that we've been messaging back and forth about uh, on our on our thread here um, over the past couple of weeks. But even just today, uh, one of the more exciting ones that we've seen recently, uh, a teaser came out for uh, Edgar Wright's uh, new film, Last Night in Soho, which comes out in October. And this looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a it seems like another level for Edgar Wright. It's got like the flair, the visual look. It's got like a style to it. And uh, I've been very excited to see what he does. I've pretty much really liked slash loved, I think, every movie he's put out um, or or been really involved with, including, um, you know, the what is it called? The Cornetto Cornetto trilogy. Like, I guess that's what it's officially called. Yeah. Like Shaun of the Dead. um, uh, What's it? Um, Oh, my God. Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. and And The World's End. World's End. Correct. Um, Baby Driver, I also really liked, but this is a whole different, looks like an entirely different kind of movie for him. Yeah. Um, kind of like a horror thriller suspense, uh, two different time periods. It's, it just really looks, just really looks different and impressive. And the word on it is very positive. People, some people that I've seen it have seen it or parts of it have uh, been nothing but wild about it. So what did you guys think of the trailer for this? It just looks visually dazzling. And seeing a guy like that take on more of a genre piece, and particularly a horror piece, like I've always loved, like every one of my favorite directors, indie director, whatever kind of director, when when they go into that horror realm, I always get a little excited because I love the idea of someone bringing a style and an idea and someone like Edgar Wright, who, I mean, I guess you could say he's kind of t- dipped his toe into horror for sure with, like, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it played a lot of the the zombie aspects of that story straight enough to say that it does have, you know, some meat to it. But it ultimately was a 
satirical look at it. This looks a little different. This looks kind of dreamlike and lush and and just looks like it's almost like that kind of off-putting movie where you might be kind of unsettled. And then before the trailer's over, you get some imagery that is full-on horror imagery. And it's, as you said, really inventive, both in terms of like visually, just the way they're pulling it off, whether it's an optical effect or, a, a you know, it's something added digitally. It just looks like that creativity that we know this guy has in terms of putting together sequences. It looks like it's being put to the 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 end of creating these you know these horror moments so yeah, i'm yeah. i'm really intrigued by what that means and the the cast looks really there's something really elegant and kind of old school looking about the the filmmaking in addition to the fact that it's sort of set in a different era but uh no i can't i kind of can't wait i mean i'd heard of it thought oh edgar wright doing a horror thriller thing that sounds kind of neat and then the trailer just made me go oh wow this looks like you said steve kind of a next level movie for him maybe yeah what about you ronald um <clears throat> i mean this this looks like one of those movies where uh, story isn't sacrificed because of the visuals. A, a lot of the times I'm watching something that's supposed to be hard that doesn't feel quite like hard because it's emphasizing one or the other. And I love story. Like at the heart of it, I don't care what genre we're watching. And right. I think that's 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 kind of why I was so hesitant when you know when we first started getting together to watch horror because I was watching so many bad versions of that. Sure. And then you guys introduced me to good versions, like good, good stories ahead of everything. Cause I'll, that reels me in. This mm -hmm. looks like a great story that doesn't compromise and just so happens to have some beautiful visual visuals too. So yeah. I'm super excited. Yeah. It looks, it looks like a, um, I don't know what about it, but like it, it kind of feels like it has a bit of the style of like a De Palma movie. Mm. And e even even something in in, the, in what the messaging is in it, uh, and I'm guessing what it is going to be, but something about it even still kind of reminds me of like Jordan Peele's movies, like recently. Something about the way, I mean, beyond just having like a pop song in the trailer that's super yeah. spooky, like that's not what I'm referring to. I'm more so referring to just like how kind of creative some of the shots look, and just the idea that you know you you are messing with. Um, time and uh, you know space a little bit and and even just to see like that's how I found the trailer today is like I, Jordan Peele retweeted it and I was like and he was ex like ecstatic about this trailer I'm like that's a good sign when like one of your favorite filmmakers is excited about a trailer from another yeah. filmmaker yeah, who absolutely. you know Edgar Wright is like a beloved guy and everybody and their mother was, was tweeting that trailer out today um, like every filmmaker that I follow uh, just seemed to be over the moon about it. But I don't know. Yeah. Something about the style really does feel like a De Palma movie to me, which I am a big fan of. And I'd be interested to see if there is something there in some sort of like relation to some of those movies, which were always like really, really uh, a tense experience to watch. So um, yeah, last night in Soho looks awesome. And I'm, I'm excited to see that in October. What other ones? Uh, no. Oh, Oh, Marvel dropped the teaser. This week for um, like a proper teaser for the Eternals, yeah. um, Chloe Zhao's big Marvel movie coming out in November. Massive cast, massive scope, probably a huge story. Um, trailer looks great. I mean, it looks like a really uh, different kind of Marvel movie. Maybe I don't want that to sound like a cliched response to like all these trailers now. Yeah, but like it's something about it does seem a little different or or not even off, but like different. I don't know. I don't know the right word. Um, what do you guys think of the Eternals trailer? I mean, this looks like a great movie that happens to be a Marvel movie. I, I don't know. Sure. That's it. Yeah. 
I don't know what this is. Like, I think that's the the best part about this is the the phase that we were talking about where, you know, through fatigue or whatever, we're getting a set of characters that we just don't know about necessarily. Right. And and I think whether you know the source material or not, this is going to be a, a telling through the eyes of the cinema, the cinematic universe that we know. And they have some explaining to do. Why the fuck didn't they interfere with any of the big the events of Endgame? They kind of hinted at why in the trailer, but that's not good enough for me. And right. I need you guys to explain. And I think they're going to do it in a cool way. So yeah, I'm excited as hell about this trailer, man. Well, it does feel like an expansion pack for the MCU, sort of. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, like it's like it it and it, it's a delicate thing to say. Like, can you introduce this concept that reaches? beyond what we know in terms of going back in time and saying that the power of these beings seems like something closer to the sort of godlike characters that are maybe in Thor's milieu, but maybe even more powerful than that. Um, right. Almost like a DC sort of superhero, like a Superman type figure, you know what I mean? Yeah, or even yeah. Captain Marvel. I mean, again, you could go on and on with these kind of overpowered, they can do anything type heroes. But this idea of... Um, it's like bringing in uh, a you know a semi problematic idea, honestly, of like ancient aliens and the idea that ancient cultures were influenced by aliens far in our past, and that certain techniques and like because there's been this whole argument about like the pyramids. People yeah. used to talk about maybe ancient aliens had helped, and it's because we can't imagine the techniques that they used to build these things or certain structures even beyond that. Often it was just slave labor. It's like oh, if you can if you can allow a thousand people to die in the building of your building, then you can do something amazing. You know, you can really make it happen. So there's some pretty different reasons, but there is a whole thing that people are saying now about ancient aliens being like, this cult, like a Eurocentric idea that these ancient people couldn't possibly have accomplished something we can't accomplish nowadays without help from outside of humanity. And just the notion yeah. that ancient cultures uh, may have had knowledge that we don't have and skills that we don't have. I think that, yes, I can, I can, I can see how that might be a Eurocentric idea. I think this movie looks like it's doing something that feels like they're going to sidestep that and almost treat these like they're angels or like, like they've come down and they've taught us things and they've helped us out, but it's not like they're the reason why humankind is capable of amazing things. Because even in the narration in the trailer, Angelina Jolie's character says, and I've and we've seen they can do amazing things. So the idea of these aliens that have helped us in the past, thinking they need to come back and help us again. I mean, I'm like, okay, you've hooked me. Like my, my big sci-fi brain is hooked on that idea. Yeah, it's yeah. actually similar to like the stuff that they tease at that Ridley Scott is on with the Prometheus and all that <laughs> shit, where it's like, okay, what made us the the way we are and yeah. and and if we could find the beings that made us the way we are what do they think of us now um right. you know that's intriguing and then the cast just couldn't be more appealing to me uh and the trailer has this excellent little piece in the middle of that seems like there's going to be a, a romance that spans eons or something oh yeah because there's like that center frame shot of the two people together and you see quickly that they're in all these different times and whether they're always together or they always find each other i'm getting a little uh you know fluttery just thinking about how again knowing what the mcu can do with emotion and knowing what Clo Zhao can do with like rooting you in a moment. Right. Um, I, I, this really, I mean, this may be whatever this, but it really seems like it has the potential to be, uh, as you said, Ronald, like a, just a special movie that happens to be the next chapter in this soap opera that we yeah. like. So, yeah. Exciting, man. And of course, the other big thing that we can't stop talking about, we're so excited about, Timothy Chalamet, finally, someone's going to bring to life the story of young Willy Wonka and we're going to hear the <laughs> origin... Of Willy, w- <laughs> maybe. Uh, do we need that? 
I, I don't. I, you know, I personally am pretty open to anything being good. If I see a trailer and it's good, whatever. But I mean, this is where I sort of feel like I'm one of those people who wants to shake their fist at prequels and reboots and all that stuff. It's like, yeah. that just sounds like such a bankrupt idea to me. That sounds like a joke idea from like 30 Rock, or that would be a project that was happening on Entourage or something like that would be Timothy Chalamet playing young Willy Wonka. That just... Uh, he's good. I don't doubt that they can do something interesting with it. Uh, but as I say that, there's a part of me that's like, what do you mean you don't doubt they could do something interesting with it? This movie doesn't need to be. This is like, like who cares? Does anyone on the street want more Willy Wonka right now? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a churl. Someone tell me I'm, I'm not being a churl. <laughs> you are not I mean, being one. Yeah, you're not. I guess it's just like that kind of, it's just like they, they kind of mine anything and everything they own to you know have this... IP, this content that we always talk about, and you know, for better or worse, it's just you know, I think that it is a hugely profitable property for them, and it's just oh, like it what? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, I mean, like, well, I mean, just the IP itself, you know. I think, um, you know, the the Charlie and Chocolate Factory movie, you know, the Don, Johnny Depp one was like a huge box office hit. I mean, obviously. Willy Wonka has its own place, but it's just like, it's a, it's a property that if you kind of test it against a benchmark, it's like, okay, there's a generational awareness of Willy Wonka. There's a generational awareness of Charlie and the chocolate factory. And okay. So a new, you know, a new awareness point would be, Oh, well, what can we do different with it besides the sequel? And that idea is usually, you know, they're like, well, let's do a prequel. Cause the people that have seen either of those movies, this is something they haven't seen, whether they want to see it or not. Like you're discussing, it's kind of like it's a it's a property that is is a profitable thing for them that really hasn't been exploited, you know. I guess um, to probably what they think it could be, but I mean, Warner Brothers is like you know a multi tiered company, and you know, in light of what's happening with you know them spinning out from AT and T and the whole Warner Media and Discovery thing that's about to happen, like. Warner's is, is in the forefront of like, you know, looking at their library and saying like, what can we put where? And it's like, this is something that, you know, we could make some money off of, you know, and also, you know, Paul King is directing it. Um, I don't know. It's going to be, I think it, it, it's going to be a musical. Like it's just, there's a lot of couple, I mean, there's well, a Paul couple. King, Paul King is a huge plus. Column. Right. And I'm and saying I, like, yeah. you look at it and I mean, that's a, that's a yeah. win. So you have yeah. him on no. it. Yeah. You have a property that's po- profitable. You have Timothy Chalamet, who's arguably one of the biggest, you know, or at least most uh, interesting actors of his generation and, you know, has been in and worked with and in, in around the most influential filmmakers, creators that are out there right now. And, you know, he's been in a lot of really great movies and he's pretty great. I th- I'm a fan. Yeah, No, no. I mean, I, 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 you know, I was allowing for that. I'm just saying that yeah. on paper, hearing that is like, Really, young Willy Wonka. That's where we're. That's where we're, we're pretending. But you're right. If it's that profitable, then I guess I'm wrong. Maybe maybe people are clamoring for like the story of Willy Wonka. I just didn't. I just never hear anybody ever talk about him. So to me, this yeah. sounds like it sounded like a bad joke. But yeah, Paul King is like Paul King could. They could say he's directing anything. He's he's directing Donald Trump's biography, yeah. and I would be yeah. like, okay, maybe he's going to make something really charming out of that. You know? Yeah. Uh, so he's kind of earned my respect, and I don't doubt that Wonka. You know, when you think about Paddington, you think about the tones of things. It's not like it's the craziest thing to think he could, he could, right. you know, right. figure that out. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, All it's right. like, yeah, it's just like, it's just, I don't know. It's just like this merry-go-round of like, 
what can we, what do we have that we can just, you know, mine versus what do we have to go out and find these original things that they're going to test this money against? It's like, well, they're going to probably test the money against the things that have made money before, you know, like in Charlie, I think made like half a billion dollars, you know, which is a, is a good return. It probably could have been higher or should have been higher, but um. I don't know, man. If you just look at the landscape, I mean, like, look, you know, a company like Warner, they have theatrical, they have HBO Max, they have all these platforms they're trying to feed content to. It's like, I'm not surprised at all that, like, you know, you're going to probably start seeing more of this kind of stuff where it's like weird takes or weird uh, splits in the road of like a story of existing property that they have. They can like go out and make it, you know, for whatever budget. But I don't know. Yeah, this is something that's been long gestating. So I feel like you know that the fact that it's coming together is not a complete surprise. And I mean, I I'm interested in seeing it. I, yeah, like you said, I love Paul King, um, and you know, I think people are really excited to see what he can do outside of uh, uh, the Paddington franchise. But um, yeah, what else? Is anything anything else news? I mentioned briefly the whole Warner Media Discovery AT and T stuff. Yeah, which is pretty huge. Um, it'll be years probably before that goes through, or at least a year if it goes through, and it probably yeah. will. But if you think about that library, that is going to be quite the competition for Netflix and uh, like Disney Plus. Like that's a true juggernaut. I mean, it already is, but when you bring in Discovery to it, which you know has all the reality and sports and uh stuff like that it's just like a real package to compete with so it'd be curious to you know what that looks like when that goes through mm-hmm. yep. i'm a discovery uh, plus descri- a subscriber through verizon right. they just gave me a year for free that's awesome and it's it's solid man I, i've heard i've heard really positive things about their service i don't personally have it but um i have a couple of friends at work that have it and like really like the platform itself is like apparently really nice yeah um the other, the other thing to mention is, uh, and I guess we can get into the movies and shows we're going to talk about, that apparently it's almost a done deal that Amazon is going to buy MGM. Yeah. What? Yeah. $9 billion. Oh, oh my God. This, I, this oh stuff just my. always sounds crazy to me. These numbers are crazy, and these deals get bigger and bigger, and it's just going to be like, you know. What? Yeah. You didn't hear this, Ronald? No. I, I must have... I'm 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 heading out of town, so I've been like not right, 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 as close to that is insanity to me. Yeah. So I, it's not I, official, but it's very close. It seems. Do you do you think they're gonna have theatrical runs of movies, or you think they're just gonna? I don't know, uh, and and it's really kind of like a weird thing that'll shake out. Like, yeah, it's it's kind of like a gray area, even what will be included, because I don't even know if like the Bond franchise will be included in it. Mm, um because that's the first thing i thought of yeah it might be a part of their release strategy like they may have access to the distribution but i I saw some article that kind of was breaking down like the way that some of these deals are structured yeah um with mgm like for something like bond who uh like what is it the broccolis like have like a huge like the people that kind of oversee that franchise have very intricate uh contracts like set up for that 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 uh that ip which is kind of like why they're always kind of like going back and forth on what to do with that movie because like they want a specific thing for it even when it's being made it's it's a kind of like a 
reported thing that comes out all the time. Um, mm. So yeah, them and like you know, like the Rocky franchise, like they, they I mean, the MGM library is legendary. So I mean, right, it'd yeah. be huge for Amazon to have that. And um, I just, you know, the valuations uh, seems to be higher than most people have said it. But you know, Amazon's making twenty one billion dollars in profit this year. So I mean, what's nine billion dollars to acquire an entire? Yeah. <laughs> an entire film ca- uh, film studio history library, yeah. all Jesus the above. Christ. And all that yeah. stuff's gonna go to the, the idea that even a quarter of that goes to Amazon Prime mm-hmm. makes it a contender. Like I, I, I think that one of the things that makes Amazon Prime kind of weird is that it feels like you're going to Hollywood Video, and it's like everything, every '70s movie, every '80s movie that you were like, that looks crazy, right? <laughs> um, and and then to have that. That sort of looseness of and, and randomness of content, and then MGM stuff, really feels like a cool move, man. Like I'm, I'm excited. You know, it, it feels like it's going to benefit us. But at Amazon Prime, though, it's going to go up to like hundred twenty dollars for that shit. Watch, whatever it is now, whatever it is now, like what's it like ninety nine a year or something? Yeah, or? I think it's it like closer to hundred twenty now. Yeah, it's already at hundred. I was gonna say, oh, it's, it's gonna be a hundred. It's gonna be hundred fifty. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. It's going to go up a little bit. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. actually, th- this article I'm seeing now is saying it looks like Bond may be a part of it, but there may be some sort of special... Right, special treatment of it. Special relationship right. with that them. The Barbara Broccoli and Michael Wilson who kind of oversee the Bond They're franchise. They're the ones who really control that, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. But that it would be owned by them. And I mean, the, the, it's mentioning James Bond, Rocky, Pink Panther, Robocop, like... Um, that's wait, a wait, lot wait. of Pink Panther Robocop. I think you just came up with a <laughs> yes. yeah, epic hey, crossover yeah. event. Forget you know, the funny the thing you mentioned about Amazon Prime, like the, the biggest faults of Amazon Prime, because they do have some like really great p- properties on there. Mm-hmm. Their like interface, their it's app, awful. their UI is is really the Achilles heel of that service. It's it is awful. it's horrible. It's horrible. It's, it's awful. very confusing for people that don't like have a a technical inclination you know, on their side and it's just, yeah, it's just really, it feels like it's like, like years behind everything else. It's clunky. Like, it's really clunky. And it's, um, what, what, what's odd too, is yeah. like, they're like one of the foremost, yeah. uh, like they have more 4k. So it's like yeah. Netflix and Amazon prime have the most 4k content on, on the web for, for the, for this like net price. Yeah, and the interface is trash. You would never know it. You have to dig and dig and dig and dig for the high quality stuff. It's a weird. Yeah, yeah. But maybe that would force. I don't. Maybe they'd have to get something better. I mean, if they get that kind of acquisition, yeah, yeah. They can't. They can't bury that library in a in an interface that's like you can't navigate. So I don't know. Awful. Weird. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's a that's another huge uh, yeah. thing that kind of came up over over the time we've been away, but. Uh, did you um, have another thing you want to mention peacock added profiles to their application which is a pretty big deal i don't know oh, if, cool so i won't be seeing murder docs with on, on my peacock anymore because aaron you mean aaron's library murder docs. <laughs> can i get a story with 10 people murdered please at least 10 she loves it and also american crime story or american jeez american something it's like one of American, those American crime. 
Yeah, I think that might be the name of it. American there's, crime. Yeah, there's American Crime Story, which is a Ryan Murphy. No, 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 I think it's American Crime or American. There's a there's a series called American. That's the one that was uh, was it Felicity Huffman was in, and I think Regina King was in. She won an Emmy for. Yeah. What is it called? It's called know. American something. But anyway. Okay. Yeah. So they have profiles, which is nice. I mean, that's a big up update. Cool. Yeah. Admittedly, I haven't really used Peacock that much. I mean, I have. You are the, silly. You're a silly. I have, ghost. I have the free. I have the free tier or whatever. Did you just punch something or? No, no. Was that you like fell. pretending to slap me for not? <laughs> he using he just Gordon Ramsay the the table. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, this, like how dare this, you not use Peacock? This scallop is overcooked. That's what we call that. I punch. love Gordon. Gordon Ramsay looks everyone in the face, whether they're six foot five or five foot two, and talks to them the exact same way. <laughs> I stank as shit. It's like it talks to everybody crazy. I love when people try to get in his face and he's like, it's not gonna work on me. Amazing, man. Sorry. I like it when occasionally his voice cracks. Like he's normally he's like Mr. <laughs> authoritative, but every now and then he'll be like how dare you? And he'll kind of shriek and it'll get a yes. little bit more like you can. Be, and I feel like maybe as it goes on, he does that less. Like he controls it more. He's yeah. a little more polished. He's like, the, he's the strong man more, you know? Yeah. Um, but what I was noticing was like back before we watched Gordon Ramsay, we watched uh, the Br- great British baking show or whatever that is called. Mm. And, and we used to, you know, on that show, Paul Holiday is kind of the Simon Cowell and he's like the yes. asshole of that show. But I was like, it's funny that now it's like, wait a minute, my receptors are so totally blown out by Gordon Ramsay. It's yeah. impossible to think of Paul Hollywood now as like an asshole when I've seen like Gordon Ramsay like punch the table and shout at someone and tell them to fuck off and that they're fucking stupid. It's like Paul Holiday, yeah. the worst he's ever said is like, the sponge is rubbish. You know, like that's <laughs> really not that bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, man. You don't want your sponge to be rubbish. He, lo- he he complains about everything's dry. Like when something's dry, he hates it. This is that's rubbish. This, but if, this, but if it's, if it's lovely, if it's a lovely sponge, then that means you've <laughs> you've done it right. So yeah, anyway. good shows, man. Yes, addictive at least. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about some movies. Yes. That's how I say it now. <laughs> is that a movie? It's been a while since I've been. They've, so they've I've actually forgotten. changed it to that. Like okay. you're 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 yeah. up to speed. No, yeah. actually, it was. I'm basing that in my mind. I realized that's a friend of mine from high school. We were at her house, and I was kind of like setting her up with my cousin on a date, and we were all leaving, um, like my girlfriend and my cousin and myself and this friend of mine. And as we were leaving, her dad said, so you guys going to go see some movie? You guys going to go to a movie? He said it in this weird, lilting way that like, <laughs> I just never forgot. And I feel like I said that to my friend, you know, like, you know, that was one of those things that you pick up in high school that you never let go. Right, right. Movie. Mm-hmm. You guys going to the movies? It was just an interesting musical way to say the word. Yeah. Now I've shared that. Do you guys have anything from high school you want to talk about <laughs> before we move on? Not particularly. Not All right. I'm good. All right. Let's talk about a movie. <clears throat> Which Where one? To start? Where to start? Army of, of the Man. Dead. Oh. <laughs> Wrath of Army. My answer to that is yes. 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 yes let's, do, let's do We talk should do about about two at the same conversations. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. each talk about one movie, yeah. and I'm going to just try to interact <laughs> with both of you. You just harmonize with one of us. Go, I'm going to go, yeah. go thirds. I, yeah. yeah, I got you. Uh, um, uh, let's. You already mentioned Netflix, so let's do that. Let's go with the Netflix okay. movie, uh, Army of the Dead. Z- the Zack Snyder cut of Army of the Dead. Uh, now, this is like an actual new Zack Snyder movie that is on Netflix, and 
you know, feels like a big budget uh, epic, it, and it is yeah. kind of an epic for a zombie movie. Um, uh, if we put our cold open on this episode, we may have heard some of our opinions already, but let's talk a little bit about just what it means to have a, a, a new Zack Snyder movie that isn't a DC movie, and also, um, yeah, what did you think of this this specifically, especially in relation to Dawn of the Dead, his first directorial uh, effort, which I think by many people is seen as his best movie. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Well, I can't help but wonder if the controversy with Chris D'Elia really did affect the way that things happened with the edit of this film and how much like couldn't be recovered. So for anybody that doesn't know, Chris D'Elia got into a situation with uh, underage women and uh, girls, underage girls. I mean, it seemed to be I mean, grooming and propositioning. Grooming, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah like, uh, underage girls, right? Yeah, so the grooming is is a very complicated, gross thing, to be completely honest. Yes. And because of that, he was kind of banished from all things that he was doing at the time. And one of them was Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. And instead of just scrapping the entire movie, um, he was replaced with uh, Tig Notaro and uh, with these weird edits that, obviously looked like she had been kind of put in at post yeah she was very flat in certain scenes and uh just kind of zoomed in and it's very obvious that they tried to salvage something from this film for anybody that's wondering because you know it, it wasn't very public that he had he had gotten replaced so you may be coming into this film like man this is the most ridiculous editing and sure it is Zack Snyder-esque editing, but on top of that, having to deal with the idea of re-editing the movie, reshooting things without a whole person yeah. uh, being in it that, that was supposed to be in it. So Yeah, so Tig Notaro, uh, the, the comedian who replaced uh, Chris D'Elia, um, didn't interact with the other cast really at all. She was brought in and filmed mostly against a, a, a green screen. And I saw somewhere where Dave Bautista said, yeah. who is the star of the film, said that he would love to one day meet Tig Notaro, you know? <laughs> uh, but I also think that, like, yeah, it's a, it's a disservice to her and a weird way a disservice to the movie, the way that worked out. I don't know if you guys saw the For All the Money in the World, if that was what the name of that was, or if it was just All yeah. the Money in the World, the Ridley Scott movie, yeah. where they replaced mm -hmm. Kevin Spacey with Christopher Plummer. I mean, you're so happy to see Christopher Plummer in this role, but you're also noticing the ways in which the movie was stitched together. And there were some scenes where it was incredibly awkward. And then there were other scenes that were basically just, oh, you shot an actor on a set and you edited it in. It works reasonably well. I felt like going into this, I knew about that. I knew that Tignataro was inserted after the fact. Right. Um, I thought it was worse than I expected. Like that part of it, it was, was worse, than, worse I than I expected. I was like, oh, I thought they were going to pull off more magic with how they integrated things. But whenever she was interacting with people, it was rare, rare that she really looked like she was part of the scene. So much so that I really noticed it in a couple of shots. I was like, oh, wow, they did a good job. And there was one scene that was like in the shadows where they did a pretty good job of compositing her in. But most of that didn't work. And then the other scenes were so clearly shot with a cutaway to her at an important moment. I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things where once you notice it, it, it really it really stood out um but i just it, yeah, it just made me think about that which i think is an odd thing to be thinking about when you're watching the movie like thinking about crystalia and what he did it's just an odd note so it's one of those weird unfortunate things that happens to a movie where it's like there's not really a good solution to that problem i think they probably did about as good of a job as could be expected and maybe yeah. 
I don't know, like maybe to someone who doesn't know this background that the the bad effects shots won't stand out so much because I think there's a certain amount of digital compositing, <clears throat> excuse me, even beyond that, that I also think there were some moments where characters look like they were cut out and stuck in front of a background. Yeah. Um, so it's an ambitious movie visually with what it's trying to show you. I don't know how much it cost. Um, there were times where it felt like, you know, huge budget uh you know, huge scope filmmaking. And then there were other times where it felt like as often Zack Snyder's movies have these moments where it's like, this is an ambitious shot that looks unfinished. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, do you like, you kind of just alluded to this, but like, do you think if we didn't know about it, you would notice it? Yes. I think I would have noticed something was weird. I would have been like, that looks weird. Really? I would have been like, there's this, this scene. So I didn't, I, 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 it was one of those things that I remember when Chris D'Elia, they were kind of going down the list of things that he got taken out of. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. I did not remember Army of the Dead. So, like, I was watching. Hmm. I was like, okay, I remember Tignataro said she was going to be in it and didn't really explain why on certain outlets. And then I'm seeing her in a scene with a gun and she looks flat, like like a piece of paper. Hmm. Like and, and I was like, this is weird. And then the shots that they kept showing where it was just, you know, her isolated, like John was saying. And it just felt like they were zooming in on just her her body and the background is completely blurry. And that kept happening. It's kind of like I think that is like a that's in the movie in general. Yeah. Though. Like yeah. these soft, soft blur, like rack focuses, like that's all over the movie. I, I only asked that because like I mean, I, I was pretty aware of it. I felt like they actually promoted it. I feel like it was out there a lot, personally, that like she was replacing him and, you know, and the way in which they were doing it. So, like, I don't know. I didn't really feel like it bothered me that much. And, like, the people that I watched it with had no idea. Like, and oh, I'm see, granted, that's what I would like, wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, I'm curious, like, asking because, like, um, they had no clue. And I kind of told them after the fact, like, mm. you know, hey, check this out. This is kind of wild. But, um, it is interesting, like, you know, thinking about how they pull this off. And I think, like, you know, I think all things considered, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's hard to imagine, like, a better solution, you know? Like, I think no matter yeah. what you do when you commit to this kind of thing, it's like there's going to be seams and there's going to be some awareness or some really kind of uh, very visible tells of things. Like, you're mentioning, like, a lot of, like, you know, she's in a lot of shots only with her, very few shots with with the group. And if it's with the group, it's with a couple people not the whole group. She's in like very few of the wide shots. And it's just like, there's logic behind why, but I still think like the, the way they accomplish that kind of stuff is just mind blowing to me, or at least try to accomplish it, accomplish it is like, it is kind of like magic, like the way that they kind of rotoscope around people in the foreground and things like that. I was watching like a video about it on YouTube and it was like, not specifically about army of the dead, but about this idea. It was mentioning for all the money in the world. Um, you know, it's just like wild to think about um, the need for that in this day and age and to be to be able to not only need to do it, but to be able to pull it off to some to some degree of success. And, I, you know, I think most people that probably don't know about this would never realize it. I mean, not in my opinion, um, because I think, uh, you know, they kind of approach it from a way that kind of hides it in a lot of ways. But in the movie in general, like I kind of feel like. Um, it, depending if you use that cold open, uh, you know, it's been a it's been a point of conversation in my household because um, in general, like, is this a good movie? No, it's not a good movie. But I did find it to be pretty entertaining and to be pretty watchable. Actually, um, it's way too long, as are most of his movies. 
it is bloated. There's a lot of stuff going on. There are scenes that play out way too long. There are character beats, emotional beats that are not necessarily bad scenes. They're just in a weird place. They're just in a weird place. And yeah. do they need to even be there? You know, it's like some of that stuff is just kind of where you are. Really we start all to thinking feel. about the same moment? There's a moment, there's an emotional moment in late in the movie that feels unearned. It follows another very similar emotional moment. And it's right before a character gets killed. And yeah. so it's like they wanted to get in one more emotional moment with this character before killing off this character. Right. And I was thinking, like, this would have worked so much better had they just barreled through that. Because there's a moment of, like, they're trying to escape, and then this character stops to have a conversation yes. that feels like, why are we talking about this now? You know, and, right. it, the, and there's been no setup for that. Like, literally a minute ago, this character was joking around and being like... It just didn't make sense. And I was yeah. like, what a dis... Again, like I said about the Tig Notaro thing, it was a disservice to the character and to the movie. It was like the rhythm of it, it would have felt better. The death even would have had more impact, I think, if it had not followed this emotional scene. So I, I think you guys know the moment I'm talking yeah. about. But yeah. anyway, you know, I think, you're, I think you, you nailed it. It's not even that the scenes are like poorly put together. I think Dave Bautista in particular is like, he's like an understated actor he's, trying, to, trying to do something kind of soulful, whether yeah. it's the smartest way to approach a movie like this or not. I like his quiet, and I like that he brings that to a role. And I even heard somewhere where he said that after his scene in Blade Runner and seeing how people responded to that, it really opened his eyes to like taking himself a little more seriously, pushing himself to more sincere emotional places as an actor. Um, and you feel that in this. And I think that he does what he can to redeem. And, and yes, somehow the 100-minute the, the version of this movie seems like it would have been a hell of a lot more fun. Yeah, uh, totally agree. And I don't know that we need 40 minutes to get the team together for a heist in a heist movie where we know yeah. they're going to go on the high. I don't know. There's just lots of little elements. But I think we always have that. When a movie's two hours and a half long, there's almost always that sense that like... Unless it's just a, a movie with this packed with plot and incident where you just have to have that time. It almost always feels like, and I, I'm not Mr. Short Attention Span, but it almost always feels like it's a little bloated uh, to be yeah, at that yeah. length, especially for this kind of genre movie. Sometimes wonder, like, if we if he's given a little mo too much rope, a little too much rope to do this kind of stuff. Like, so... You know, we've we've kind of seen in the last couple uh, releases of like Tarantino movies, things that are hitting at two and a half hour, three hour mark. That to me, even with the the sort of attention to detail that Tarantino has sometimes feels like too much. Yeah, this yeah. is this is overkill for a person who does not have a grasp of threading things together the way that Tarantino can thread things together. So if 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 he struggles with a three hour movie or two and a half hour movie, who are you, Zack Snyder, to do this? <laughs> that's that's all I'm yeah. saying. Oh yeah. But th but then there's also this argument. I've heard this joke that somebody said that if if you showed Orson Welles <laughs> like Army of the Dead, he'd be like, this is a fucking amazing movie. Because <laughs> you you have to think like we're spoiled on some level of the level of like intricacy and in stories and special effects and stuff like that, that sometimes when something's a little like wild and wacky, like this movie is that we get a little like, Oh, but we put our nose up to it, but this is a fucking it's the first 40 minutes are hard to watch, man. That's, that, that's what I'll say. Like I want to watch trash that I could think is a good movie. Like I don't like, I don't mind a trashy movie that gets a little gross and weird and 
I don't think he likes women. I I don't know why women women have no place in this movie. They like they're kind of thrown to the side and treated like accessories to the story. Like I don't I don't. I, I mean, I think there's a couple of characters that would that would push against that, but ultimately, I think that yes. You mean the it, lady that was stabbing people a little bit? I'm it's talking like, about the the daughter. I guess would be the only the, character that really. But like, I'm not yeah. arguing for her as a great character. I'm just saying she's a character who right, doesn't right, fit right. that mold. But also, like, I actually want to just add that I do think like the first, like the opening and it's through awesome. the credits of this movie yeah, are super awesome. fun. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, and I think it's after that that it gets to the bloated like like instantly the tone switches to this more melodramatic tone where it's like the music is trying is playing it for serious i don't know there's some you know when you got dave bautista with like the little horn rim glasses like working as a fry cook i feel like that should have felt more more fun and campy and instead it felt like it was being played 100 percent straight and i just don't i think there were some difficult moments where actors had to figure out a difficult tone in this thing. Like some of the exposition, some of those opening scenes feel kind of flat. Uh, I think once you get into the action, the, the, the way that people interact is much more interesting and much more in that kind of, you know, like uh, aliens or something like that, where it's just a bunch of people going in and getting picked off. Um, you even have a kind of Paul Reiser uh, character who's like there to screw everybody over uh, with the secret mission. So I don't know. I think that all of that, would have felt so much more fun if we had gotten there quicker, I think. And I, so it is weird to to imagine like, oh, if this movie was 30 minutes shorter, would the tw- would 25 of that not come from the beginning? Do you know what I mean? Like so much yeah, of it yeah. would, would come from the beginning. I, I, <clears throat> go ahead. I sympathize more with the zombies than I did the people. I was just about to say, I like that the zombies actually had some kind of culture and seemed like they were doing something. That actually felt like a wrinkle in this movie. So yes, you end up going like, they're just trying to get through their day. These zombies, you know, they, they... these these greedy people came in, but no, I do like that element. I think that Zack Snyder clearly that's one of the things that he's kind of imagined of about this world is like a, a take on zombies that's a little different. Um, and I've heard, of course, they want to make a franchise out of it or whatever. So we'll see what happens with his intentions. But uh, um, that was an el- an element that to me felt like the thing that to me is missing from Walking Dead, which is that like the zombies are just kind of anonymous you know that you have to have human villains to be interesting but these were like zombie villains that were you know almost like something from an evil dead movie or something they had like character to the zombies or a couple of them anyway steve you're so quiet what no 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 i kind of was saying what i had to say already i mean i just feel like i i do feel like it's not a great movie but i i did personally find it pretty entertaining yeah, you know, uh, you know, even though I, I, it is overlong and it's bloated, it just feels like there's so many, there's so many story points that just seem not necessary for what yeah. makes to me to what makes the movie interesting, which is this, this, this trifecta of a zombie movie, a heist movie, and a ticking clock. Mm-hmm. Like that, yes. that's it. Like I don't need to see these people, you know. I don't need to see Batista like in a personally, like you know, the whole, you know, him being approached by the guy and putting the team back together. Yeah. You know, like I don't need to see the team back together. I just saw this awesome opening of them getting out once, so I can assume they could probably get in and out again. Yeah. You know, but against the backdrop of a clock of a nuke coming down, and like maybe they find out about this safe a different way and go after it themselves for their personal reasons, like. It just seemed like there was a whole area of the story that was just so unnecessary. Like just the idea of really having someone like that, the the Tanaka character and like, you know, what their motivation was for the heist. And like every time you see him, once they're in there, it's like a quick cut of him being like, 
oh, like, you know, like there's there's no character there. There's no reason yeah. for that character at all, really. And, you know, there's no character, you know, there's no reason for the character that he has in with the group, like the Paul Reiser uh, stand in, except for the way that he is pretty awesomely uh, disposed of. Yeah. But I mean, it's just like when you really sit back and kind of dissect it, which, like I said, we've been talking about this movie a little bit in this house. Um, what bothers me most is that I do think literally if you cut 30 to 40 minutes of this movie and and really just get to those three things and let these characters operate in that, I think it's a way better movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and that's even saying I still found it entertaining. I still probably find myself watching this movie again in the future, just randomly throwing it on and checking it out because there's something there's stuff about it that I did like, you know, Steve, um, you're crazy. You are. I've never just called you crazy. You are crazy. Well, you did. You called me crazy about Peacock a little bit ago. (laughs) So I'm just kind of staying in character. I I don't know. I mean, honestly, like what? Like it's a zombie movie about a heist. Yeah. You know, where they're nuking, uh, you know, they're. I guess with, it gets with a zombie tiger and a zombie horse in it. Right. It's just perspective, I mean, you know, and a zombie baby, you know, like yeah. it's just perspective to it's me. It's called like, a zombie baby. I don't know like what I'm looking for in this movie. I know that I want to be entertained, which I was, I was, even though it again was way too long. Yeah. Um, that's my biggest criticism probably is that it just suffers from this thing that I feel like there's so much I like about Zack Snyder. Cause I like, honestly, I like a, a decent amount of his movies. Me too. And I think he does have like a visual skill and, you know, the way he shoots and composes some shots. And, you know, I do like a lot of it, but it's just like, he just can't get out of his way, you know, in terms of like bloating the the hell out of these movies. And they're all, they're all too long, you know? And it's like the most consistent criticism that I'd probably wage against him, you know, Dawn of the dead. Yeah. It's probably my favorite movie that he has that or Watchmen, you know, but I just think James Gunn write that. Yeah, James Dawn Gunn of, wrote Dawn of the yeah. Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, and that's probably why it's so great because it's yeah. like get, get to the point, and he's like one of the best at it, and he has a firm grasp on the genre and knows how to make it interesting and different, and he knows um, how to create characters kind of on yeah. the fly. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't know, and like you know, you just spend too much time. Like when you have a cast of like you know a crew of six or seven or eight people, I don't, I don't know that you need a whole lot of additional people, you know, and just, and there's all these like tertiary characters that keep popping up like the quarantine zone and the security guard. Did did you guys catch some weird political shit with the quarantine zone with like the government can, can claim that you have a fever or whatever. And you, or your your fevers, your temperature's dropping, I think, because the the weird stuff like like that. And he claims his movies don't have a right wing bent to them. And maybe they don't, but that felt like, that was just a weird note to inject into it. It was like, that felt, that felt weird. Um, yeah. But no, I agree. All that stuff. And again, that stuff could be gotten to so much quicker. I think the movie acts like we need yeah. all this setup and all this, you know, like Dieter is a good example of a character who like Dieter is fun when he shows up. He's kind of the, the untrained, uh, the, the least schooled fighter of the bunch. You get mm-hmm. him in, immediately. We don't really need the scene of seeing him look at the blueprints and decide to take the job. You could just right. have him showing up. And I think the movie makes the mistake of thinking that, like, we'll wonder, or or it's him milking what he wants to do, like a getting the team together montage. That sounds like a fun montage, but somehow, yeah, somehow it just felt like the fun was missing from it, and it felt like it was padding out that runtime. Maybe it was knowing this movie was two and a half hours long from the get 
like yeah. from the get go that I was like noticing those moments that felt stretched out. But uh, even like Dave Bautista waking up from a nightmare, and I don't know, I just I was not buying into the the like the drama of that as much as I think the movie needed me to. Um, Is that so, guy getting a spinoff show? Army of yeah, Army of Thieves. That that's the. I think it's is that the prequel. Is it is that is that the? He's getting his own. No, he's getting his own show. A show, okay. He's getting his own show called Army of Thieves. Scott Ward is the character of Scott Ward. Uh, the Dieter. Oh, Dieter is. Dieter's getting a yeah. He's getting a spinoff show called Army of Thieves. I mean, okay, it's a spinoff of. They had like a promo. They had like a, a. promo poster and everything for it already i'm like how the hell but it, but but it's a prequel though yeah it's that's gotta a, be yeah 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 i guess because yeah because of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, but, then yeah. The car- <laughs> but then there's a prequel cartoon, cartoon. yeah that, that's I called you were talking las about vegas the yeah, yeah. Which, no yeah sorry no i meant just yeah, a prequel yeah. movie so the, a lot of a lot of spinoffs happening well, with this thing. I mean, more power to them. You know, I don't I don't doubt yes. that they could make something fun out of this. I'm, I am a little bit curious about the cyborgs and the and the alien connections and all that stuff. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see what comes of all that. But shall we we move on to the wrath of man, or just wrath of man, not the wrath of man. The new guy Richie joint, which is. And it is fully, it's 100% a Guy Ritchie thing. Although this feels like they were trying to go for something a little more like mature or something. This movie felt a little bit like, I mean, it felt like an attempt at that. I don't know that it quite succeeded. I felt like there was some kind of, you know, there was some really cool technical aspects to this movie. I think it kind of, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I felt about though. This was another one that felt a little bit drawn out by the time it got to the end for me. But I do think that just the filmmaking, there was some really cool sequences and shots and and enough to keep me interested visually uh um you know what did you guys think of wrath of man i liked it uh i didn't think it was perfect this felt like his his trying to do what spike lee did with um inside man inside man okay where where like you know tonally very different from the 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 catalog that the director had trying to go for something a little more broad i i I, it felt a little more broad than any of his other ones but you mean you mean more broad than aladdin yeah a little more or king arthur okay it felt less broad to me it felt like it was more tamped down i feel like his movies are usually more funny and full of these colorful characters whereas this one felt like it was an attempt to be serious and do something stripped down i don't think well well, by that i mean like i couldn't give any of my friends his films necessarily and have them fall for it the way that they would for something a little more like just a regular heist some of his films feel so specific so Mm -hmm. like very like this is this neighborhood in this area with this one guy with this weird accent that's trying to be a drug dealer in this neighborhood. I right. mean, and sure, that stuff for for me is is his bread and butter is like yeah. the 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 dirty white gangster movies is what I like to call them. Um, I love I love the sort of slice of life thing that he does with his films that this seems to avoid wholeheartedly. It just kind of dodges it like a bullet where. I'm not invested in the characters quite as much because I'm not taken into the little intricacies of what 
makes people work. And I'm kind of dealing with this man that's trying to figure out who killed his son, which works on some level. But the the story, putting it all together, felt muddy. Like, I was like, what is happening with this person? I I thought this movie did too much of that three months later, five weeks before. Five weeks later. Five five months. It did too much. Like, I didn't find that the way that it told us the same event from three different perspectives, I didn't find that narratively that by the time we got around to like the third time through seeing this story unfold, it felt like, boy, this is just dragging me through this event again. And I've kind of already figured it out. I already sort of know where we're going with it. And um, I mean... You know, whatever the opposite of chewing scenery is, is what uh, Scott Eastwood does. Like, somehow that guy is just bland, 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 bland. And I just thought that, the, you know, having him at the center of this this movie, in a way, felt like a mistake. And Jason Statham is so great when he's got little flashes of humor, and this movie didn't really give him much of a chance to do that. So, I don't know. Yeah. I just felt like this movie was what you're calling broad. I guess, to me, I'm calling bland. But we both seem to be saying the same thing, which is that it's missing that that character quirk that usually makes Guy Ritchie's movies so fun to see, especially with the casts that he gets, you know? Yeah. Um, and I do think, I will stress again, I do think there's some precision filmmaking with the way some of this stuff is choreographed and some of these scenes are are fun to watch unfold. There's a moment where some guys in an armory uh, in a warehouse you uh, just decide to fight back. That just the shit gets crazy from that moment. And I was like, yes. it reminds me of that moment in Nobody where, where Bob Odenkirk is just like picking off bad guys, you know, in a, in a warehouse in that too. Um, but that was fun and felt like it knew that it was a little silly. And this feels like it just, you know, it's something about this movie was, was almost like ultra violent in an ugly way to me too. There were a couple of moments that I found like unpleasant in a way that the movie didn't, didn't have the substance to counterbalance. And did you guys have a hard time believing this was, this was LA, right? It was like in LA where everybody where everybody is someone with a different accent trying to do an American accent. It was like yeah. it takes place in weird accent land. It's it's full of funny talking people, uh, you know, that there's no explanation for any of that, but I think it was supposed to be LA. Did you it guys is. get that? Yeah, yeah, it was LA. Yeah. They picked a bunch of British people to be like, oh, you want a job. It's like if you try to beat the problem is if you're trying to do an American accent sometimes, you wind up sounding like a robot kind of in in and try to do like a southern or colloquial accent trying to be british if you're british and trying to do an american colloquial accent or you sound like the joker or bill the (laughs) butcher or something where you're doing this you know this kind of thing yeah. No, it's it's uh and the nonstop locker room talk for like the first chunk of the movie too was so corny and like everybody's just kind of, it's like gay panic the movie it's like ninety seven lines in a row with guys like busting each other's balls in this way that felt really just just did not feel real to me at all uh even Hoyt McCallum what's his name how do you say his name McCallany Mc McCallany I think it's McCallany yeah Hoyt McCallany Hoyt McCallany um. McElhaney, however you're supposed to say it. McElhaney. Even he felt like wooden and kind of out of place, whereas normally he's like this pinch hitter of awesomeness for me. So it's like, I think that there's fun to be had and there's kind of that muscular action that you expect from one of these movies. But you're talking about Zack Snyder hating women. This was the movie where I felt like this movie has, is it's just like shamelessly testosterone fueled, you know, and it didn't yeah. feel like it was, I don't know, like I, I, I was fully engaged throughout, but I when it was over, I felt kind of bludgeoned by it. And I sort of felt like it, yeah, it too felt like it, it should have had more fun or something. I don't know. What did you think, Steve? You've been awful quiet about Wrath of Man. 
I kind of liked it, man. I gotta, I gotta agree with I, Ronald. I did too. I, I gotta agree. I like, liked it too. I, 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 and I'll, I'll go as far to say that I'm probably more than liked it. I, I, uh, <laughs> I was super into this movie. Uh, I do agree with most of what you said, John. Like some of the stuff with Holt, who I generally love, and um, well, it's Holt. I was saying Hoyt. It's so that might be. Oh, oh, Holt. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's Holt. Yeah, it's Holt. Um, uh, and like the locker room stuff, like some of that early stuff is weird. Like the nicknames they have, it makes no sense. Like there's a lot of criticism, like there's stupid, there's stupidity here for sure. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, like I, I kind of love like when Guy Ritchie gets back to these like crime, co- crime action thrillers, whatever. And, and honestly, like I like the time jumps. I like moving around. Um, I like the idea of kind of once we kind of get caught up with the crew that actually did what happens in the beginning of the movie. Like you're then with them for like a good part of the movie until, yeah, you know, yeah. until their paths cross again. So, um, I don't know. I was pleasantly surprised by it. Cause I kind of had heard mixed, mixed positive on this movie. I do agree about Scott Eastwood, like stop trying to make him happen. I don't, I don't get it. Like, aren't you glad they didn't cast him as young Han Solo? No, oh my like, God, get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I, I kind of do love Josh Hartnett, though. I kind of wish maybe he was in that oh my role. God. He was, I he loved, was really, he's he, so I, good. I yeah, love him. I kind of was hoping, well, whatever. I'm not going to try to spoil, but I was, you know, like, you, there's certain characters, obviously, it's going to be surprising when certain people go and how they go in a movie like yeah. this. But I, I, I thought he was more, his, like, I like when an actor plays fear and, like, incompetence, yeah. but without playing it as, like, a total bumbling fool. And I thought he did yeah. a good job of being almost like a regular guy <laughs> in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was so heightened and he was so regular that I loved it. I, I liked when everything heightened. He was like, no, I'm not doing this. this is, I'm not built for this. This is a part of my life. And yeah, Jason Statham, I loved seeing them in scenes together because I thought that the difference in it almost made me feel like he he may have been a part of the twist that I thought. Right. Yes. Yes. And I, I think it's because, meant you're meant to yeah, think yeah. that. Right. Yeah. Right. The, it, it, there's a few characters that you're unsure of as the movie progresses, and he's yeah. one of those characters that fits into yeah. that box of like, okay, he could be the the inside man, so to speak, for this for this crime ring. My beef is that this felt like an old script that got made. Now. It's, it's it's a remake of a movie from like oh, a French what? movie called 2004. Yeah, Cash See. Trump. See. Well, like I mean, was, you, know, you know what I thought, Ronald? You know what I thought when I was watching? I was like, this feels like it's based on a graphic novel. That's what I was thinking. Mm, like with the way even okay. the shots were positioned, but just the way the story <laughs> unfolded, I was like, this feels like it's playing with like, you know, the. it was kind of like, we talked. you were just talking about Tarantino. It was kind of structured like a Tarantino film in the way that, and as much as I did not particularly care for the feeling I had when I realized the movie was stretching itself out by doing the same event as many times as it did, Steve, I liked the one thing you mentioned, which was following one group and seeing how they fit into that story and then following yeah, yes. another group. And that feels kind of Tarantino-ish in a way, to be like, you thought these characters were sort of the bad guys or the faceless characters in this other scene, and then you see a little more character from them. And there yeah. were there's essentially like three crews that we learn about in this. Yeah. Right. And it's and I'm it does take a little puzzle puzzling over almost to, uh, as the movie progresses to get a sense of like, wait, when did that scene happen and how did it happen in relation to the other thing? Yeah. And I found a little bit of that confusing. Uh, if you enjoyed that, maybe you weren't confused as it was rolling along, but I found that there were moments where I was thinking like, I'm stopping to put this together. And I just personally think if you do too much two weeks later, three hours before, like if you're doing, I feel like that's a sign of a script that could be straightened out a little bit, but not so mm. much 
that the problem is that they showed the same event three different ways. Just that I thought that by the time they got to the third time through, it felt like, oh, now I see how this movie is two hours long, <laughs> or however long yeah. it is. But you know, um, but but I think there's some neat character turns in this, and I do think there's a couple of moments just where in the midst of you know, the action and the violence, characters sort of show what they're made of. And I think Guy Ritchie is good at shooting that kind of stuff with style. As I've said already a couple of times, there's a few shots that are really bold and interesting the way that they take in a scene. And he, he does frame things, like almost that opening scene, the first time we see that the event happen, it's framed oh, yeah. in the most the, oblique the static way. And then as we go through it, we do learn more and more about it. So as I'm talking about it, I am realizing that that part of it is something that... <laughs> From the filmmaking yeah. standpoint, I do think that it unfolds, and it's yeah, clearly that's, very, that's very what I liked deliberate. About it. Yeah. yeah, Guy Ritchie is a person that you know got into a fist fight before because there's <laughs> yeah. something about multiple times. Yeah, there's something about the dynamic between men that he knows about. It has nothing to do with big people and small people. It has to do with like if 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 I confront you, Steve, what are you going to do? It doesn't matter how big you are. If I if I if I corner you. With with no guns, and I'm like, I'm gonna beat your ass. What right. are you gonna do as a person? It doesn't mean you're gonna fight me necessarily. It's it's about what what you do when you're faced with confrontation, and and it, and it, and, it, and it's sometimes it's like a verbal, like a verbal exchange that maybe a lot's going on. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's gunfights. Yeah. I do love that man. Like he captures that sort of like hyper masculine sort of thing or perceived hyper masculinity yeah, or a cartoonish version of it almost you know yeah 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 and 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 sometimes you i, I think he's he's kind of saying in these situations you kind of have to be a cartoon version of yourself if you're going to survive in these situations you have you have to become bigger than life to get out of it or yeah. you get kind of eaten alive which he loves. zombie tiger or am i confusing these <laughs> he loves it. that's a crossover there yeah. We do, we do have we do we do have a character in both of these movies. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, yes. was it, was it uh, Raul yes. Castilla? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 I, I noticed that, uh, and he got his ass handed to him in both of these things. <laughs> I, I won't say which movie. Though. I will say he lasted longer in one of those movies. I picked I picked him as the guy to go first in, in one of those films, and I was shocked when we were in the final moments, and it was like, oh wait, he he lingered. So you know, make of that you, what you will. There was one character that was so eager to get involved in the situation. I'm like, you're dead. <laughs> He's like, I love a mission. <laughs> you're dead. If you love a mission, you're dead. <laughs> so anyway, I, I thought it was okay, man. I, I, I'm probably going to watch this movie again. I, I love yeah. a guy, Richie Heist. I could see watching this one again uh, uh, for the... Sh I, it's got the shark-like efficiency of the lead character the kind of again the precision of the filmmaking i could almost put it on without the volume and just look at a couple sequences and pay attention to a couple moments and just appreciate that part of it but because i do find that you know i don't know there's just an energy sometimes some directors are, are good at kind of keeping a movie going and i think that like yeah. guy Ritchie he puts together sequences that are at least worth a second look, you know, yes. if not, if not uh, many more than that, but I think, but, I know, think I, this is good. No, I was just going to say, I think his movies are, I need to fill in some gaps in his movies. I, there's some of his that I haven't seen. I realize some of the more recent ones, like the gentleman I never saw. And I know Ooh, that some, some people enjoyed good. that one. So yeah, just check it out. You need to check out. The no, gentleman. no. Like that one looks like it had a little bit more of the kind of uh, character 
Itamidi, so to speak, that I'm talking yeah. about. Just the yeah, cast this is alone. the different. This is this does does feel a little different for you know his his like signature kind of like crime movies. It's that like he more does. tamped down, but uh, yeah. yeah the, and the chapter titles actually in this worked for me in a sense of being kind of ominous and and like. I can, no. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like. I feel like this is one of the one of my better movies I've seen this year, in my opinion. Honestly, like it's up there for me. I'll have to give I, it another look. <clears throat> yeah, I liked it, man. Like I, there were a lot of things I did not like about it, but for some reason, I came out in the end. Like I knew how it, I knew what was going to happen. I know, I know who's starring in it. I know what's going to happen. Yeah. But for some reason, I was like, I'm, I'm in for the ride, and. You're right. The gentleman, the gentleman is a softer, more accessible version of Guy Ritchie. If 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 I'm like, if somebody's like, give me something old and give me something new of Guy Ritchie's, I'd give them the gentleman, and I'd probably give them something like Rock and Roller, which I'm was one of my favorites. Like I love Rock and Roller. It's 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 like so stylized in a way that and and there's like Idris Elba comedy. It's like it's a yeah. little bit of everything. So. Yeah, well, I need to, you know, I'll dig into some. Yeah. So, anything else we've watched? I know we said Mayor of Easttown was something we've all seen. Yeah, I feel yeah. like we should kind of, like, go through some of these quickly. Like, yeah. just kind of yeah. rattle off a couple things that we want to throw out there. I mean, I, you know, Mayor of Easttown, I've been banging that drum. I, I know I'm glad you guys have called up to it. Um, Four episodes the, in. Okay, but, well, the okay. finale is this coming weekend. Oh, okay. So, hopefully, maybe we can all kind of... Maybe once the show's over, like John said, we can talk a little bit more about it maybe next week. Um, yeah, do a longer but in, segment. But in general, like it's uh, personally, it's like one of the best things on TV for me. I mean, on TV, yeah, uh, for me. Uh, I just think, you know, Kate Winslet is like one of my favorite actresses. So to see her in a role like this in a, a series on HBO Max or HBO is a, is a is a treat, I think, like to be able to see her do what she does on a weekly basis for Evan seven Peters. weeks. Evan Peters is probably Evan the Peters MVP is of the so, show. So good in this. So yeah. good. Man. Like watching yeah. him play a guy who's more straight laced, it's like it makes his kind of ticks that still kind of emerge. Yeah. It just creates this genuine sense of like a very good natured but slightly socially awkward person. And it's just you instantly love this guy. He's just yeah. I don't know. It's so interesting. And it's a nice contrast to Kate Winslet, who's not doing like a a, a caricature of a of like a hardened person, but a person who's really been through some trauma and has her walls up. And it's like, she's a great actress. So right. watching those two personalities bounce off of each other, even Guy Pierce is a good, like been, has been a good scene partner for her. And he can sometimes yeah. be kind of bland to me, but I feel like he's been pretty strong in, in this. Um, and Gene Smart. And Julia I mean, Nicholson. Juliet Nicholson. Man, this, yeah, it's that HBO. It's it's everything yeah. that we know about the HBO brand of quality. It's that kind of storytelling. I do have, once it's over, I have a few thoughts brewing about the structure of these mysteries and how they actually play out over the course of like seven or eight hours and whether, you know, like whether that's the best way to tell these stories. But I'll have to see how this one wraps up before I throw it in the pile with like The Outsider and... Uh, and uh, whatever the Nicole Kidman thing was, um, where I'm kind of thinking about these, you know, these these murder mysteries that get you going 
early on and then have to maintain that tension over so many hours, how they do it and how they stack up. But um, I just like the backdrop of this show. I just think that like they've taken care with the characters to develop people that feel real um, throughout. And it, yeah. it does it does make you think about the tapestry of humanity that's affected by this kind of story. Even if it's like a heightened reality, it does feel grounded in a way that, uh, um, you know, just feels well observed. And it makes that acting that we're talking about really shine. Yeah, it's a great show. Yeah, small town. It emphasizes relationships in a way that I just, you know, I'm I, I'm honestly emotionally exhausted from like kid killing shows. You yeah, know, no, I, this, I'm, that I'm part of it's really rough. Yeah, yeah, but the the heart of this movie, uh, this feels like a movie. The heart of this show is the relationships, and that is something that I don't really see a lot. Like this small town bullshit i mean it's a lot of cool stuff going on between mayor and and they say mayor's name like more than i've heard a human say another human's name mayor mayor <laughs> mayor, mayor, mayor 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 but it's 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 a great show so i recommend it yeah what else um um i was gonna mention that the two movies i saw the woman in the window which finally mm. came out on netflix is horrible Oh, uh, it is a train wreck, man. Like Too for bad. you talk about having an amazing cast, you know, production like Joe Wright. I mean, I think even Tony Gilroy was brought in to do reshoots on this. Like the movie is a mess. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not super familiar with the source material, the novel it's based off of, which is a you know, best-selling novel. But um I'd be curious if you guys check it out. It's like it's like hyper stylized, obviously trying to do like a rear window type thing. And it just does not work. The performances are all over the place. Again, an amazing cast. Amy Adams, uh, Julianne Moore, Gary Oldman, Wyatt Russell, Brian Tyree Henry. I mean, just like Jennifer Jason Lee. Like, it's just crazy cast. Wow. Yeah, that's, and that's, it is wow. a train wreck. It is a train wreck. It's one of the Yikes. worst movies I've seen this year. Yikes. Um, or recently. Uh, another horrible movie that I saw uh, is Spiral. I'll mention real quick. I know we talked about Spiral a little bit. Oh. Like amongst us, we we yeah. saw it after we recorded it. Um, that was a huge miss for me. Um, and then the other one I saw was Those Who Wish Me Dead, which was one of the HBO Max day and date releases that came out last um for last yeah, last week or two weeks ago. Uh the Angelina Angelina Jolie kind of uh fire jumper crime action thriller, uh John Barenthal. Um that was okay. It's kind of felt like one of those like nineties. Kind of like like you know on those like the like like the cliffhangers uh, uh, type movies. Yeah. Um, fine. I, I the problem is Angelina Jolie. Like I don't really know where I see her fitting into movies anymore. I don't see character when I watch her. I see Angelina Jolie no matter what she does, which is makes me a little worried about her in the Eternals. But. I, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm on the same same i mean it's like she and kit harrington have a similar thing of like they, they scowl nice or they look nice in a shot but like what do they really bring to these yeah. roles that they're getting but that at least is like a godlike character so maybe her weird otherness will feel more true. more That's believable true. but I, yeah i have that same concern about whether she's going to seem too stilted for me in that and i mean mm. and anything that take away from that movie i mean I, I actually probably would recommend checking that out especially because it's on hbo max yeah um it's just that john barenthal is like a star like i want to see him in i want to see his like ticket just take off like he's just i love him in everything he's in as small as the role might be but he's definitely the best part about this movie um 
and uh, he's got a couple big titles coming out this year. So I'm ex- I'm excited to see what he has coming up next. But um, those were the the movies that I kind of watched over the last week or so. Um, which again, Woman in the Windows on Netflix, Those Who Wish Me Dead is on HBO Max and in theaters, and Spiral is uh, in theaters. What about you, Ron? Anything that you want to mention? Um, yeah, there's there's a couple. I I guess kind of popped in my head. Um, so the first that I want to say is a Brian Tyree headed indie film called The Outside Story, which is like a, a romantic comedy about Brian Tyree's character breaking up with a, a girl and she's moving out of the house and in the process of kind of collecting stuff and, and, and processing it, he locks himself out of his house and is just stuck in, in New York to, to get into adventures. I don't, that's really the only way I can describe it. It's fun. It's, it's, it's really very easy to watch. And, and it's a welcome change from most of the things that I've kind of seen lately. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's worth checking out. Uh, what else did I see? Long Weekend starring, I don't know how to pronounce her name, Zoe, Zoe Chow and Finn Wittrock. Wittrock? Wittrock. Wittrock. Okay. Um, so that is a romantic comedy slash drama that is a time travel film. This guy wow. is breaking up with a woman, breaks up with her, is heartbroken, is depressed, and meets uh, a pretty cool woman walking around, and they hang out, and she tells him that she's come from the future. Hmm. Yes. It is okay. a it is a crazy film that is fun, man. It's another one of those movies that's fun and gets you a little weepy. Um <laughs> The next one that I saw is a movie starring, she's like a comedic actor, <laughs> Rachel Sennett and Molly Gordon, uh, the movie Shiva Baby. Oh, how uh, was that? Fun. It's, a, wow. it's another one of those fun movies, man. Like fun. I don't know. I got kind of lucky. Like I got, I, I, I like wrangled up a bunch of films and, 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 and loved them. Uh Yeah. That that that's another one. And then what what else did I watch? Oh, I watched The Invisible Man for the first time in my human life. And mm-hmm. I was fucking blown away for a bunch of reasons. But one of the one of them is like I, I, full confessional. I'm I'm starting to get into spatial sound. I'm starting to get into like I have a I have a theater, mini theater setup that I just got. I have a nine speaker setup with two subwoofers. And and I watched a film that kind of took advantage of sound being thrown around the room. And uh, my mind was blown away. Just on top of that, just it being a spectacular film that, that really is just a, a slice of life, chaotic sort of. It, it's not a huge film, which I loved. I loved that it. it just kind of took place within this 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 house and then another house and then a hospital and that's it and i it was fun as fuck i found myself <laughs> jumping up and down and screaming and oh <laughs> what? What? it really it really is that kind of movie like i'm, I'm <laughs> glad you finally got to see i wish i could have seen that in theaters 
Yes. That was that was a movie that really was a victim of the pandemic kind of hitting when it did, because that was one that was like it, it still did break out and make a lot of money for what they made that movie on. Mm-hmm. But that had the opportunity to be like a blowout hit for Blumhouse, like yeah. possibly 100 million, like depending on how long it had in theaters. But I, I wish I could have seen that in theaters. I think we even talked about this on the pod when we started going into quarantine that like it's just built for the way they the, those scenes are structured in some ways, like that theatrical engagement. And like yes. there's a specific scene in the movie, you know, without spoiling anything that has. And we talked about this, which has one of the best like shock moments, you know, that I've seen in recent memory yeah. where you could just imagine being in a theater and like how a theater would react to it. It's something I'm jealous that I did not get to experience, but I'm glad you saw it finally and loved it because, oh man, it's one of the best movies of, of the year last year. So yeah. fun. So fun. It, it is intense and fun. And I I, I want to I wanna see more movies like that. Yeah. So, uh, John, what have you seen? Oh, that's it for me. <clears throat> that's that? Um, yeah. Think of something else. Oh, I may have mentioned this also. Superman and Lois. Yeah. Come on, man. It's a WB show that that should not be good. That is a really fun. F- it, it it took like a month, a month and a half hiatus and it's returned with episode six. So you got like six episodes that you can watch right now. It's nice. about a Superman that is dealing with being a parent and done in a way that really is pretty cool. Like he's. He's stressed the fuck out. <laughs> Seeing Superman's weakness being not kryptonite, but raising two <laughs> asshole sons. <laughs> He's just like, I can't take this shit. Uh, it's really cool, man. So Superman and Lois. Cool. I think uh, m- maybe we will hold this, but I was gonna I was gonna bring up Mythic Quest, but why don't we sit on that for a little bit? Because oh, I that season that season's still rolling out, and we've been able to see the whole season, and there's embargoes on the later episodes, so maybe we'll wait a little bit and maybe talk about that yeah. closer to the well, end we of the talk season. Talk about the whole thing yeah. at once, yeah, absolutely. as a whole. Um, yeah. But in general, if you're not watching Mythic Quest, please start watching Mythic Quest. Please, please find it on Apple TV Plus and and, and give it a give it a look, please. They're doing something this season. That's all I'm going to say. They're they're going yeah. for something very different from the first season. It, especially if, if you enjoyed the first season, you will love the second season and some. You know? Yeah. So I, I can't I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, and we will soon. Uh, I, I'm good. If you guys are good, I think that's yeah. a that's a hell of a hell of an episode. Feels a lot like to an talk episode. about. Yeah. yeah, that's what they call that. And uh, <laughs> speaking of episodes, if you want to find past episodes of the podcast, moviesmovie.com, hit the site, takes you to our pod link page where you can kind of jump into any of the different podcasting apps that you might be subscribing to uh, your podcast through. And if you're not subscribed to Movie Movie, please do that. Um, if you're not, you what just, the fuck are you doing? Well, maybe you yeah. just came across us on Facebook yeah. or an Instagram, whatever it is. But just uh, if you could trace it back and subscribe, maybe give us a review, a rating of any kind, or just maybe just tell somebody about it. That'd be nice too. Um, we, also, we also have the YouTube channel. Um, if you can find us there, subscribe to the videos, hit the bell. So you get alerts. when We put new videos slash podcast out. And we have the special that we do on there called uh, Marvel Schmarvel. That'll start back up when Loki starts airing um, on Disney plus in a couple weeks. Um, otherwise, it's good talking to you guys as always. Yeah. And uh, to all the listeners out there, thank you for listening. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.